Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's finest naturally authentic pumpkin seed oil from the Steiermark, available at OrganicUniverse.com. Listeners of The Organic View can receive a dollar off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk about some recent developments regarding the impact of neonicotinoids on our pollinators, as well as disturbing news concerning the rusty patch bumblebee. So I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. And how are you doing today, Tom? Well, doing pretty good. We've uh, had a little respite from our cold weather and snow. The snow eater did just what it's named for. It... uh took away all our our snow cover, and we had a couple of days in the high 50s and low 60s. And from the bees' perspective, those are flight days. They'll do a little flying. They'll carry out some of the dead bodies. They'll do a little housekeeping. They'll exercise, take a constitutional, and rearrange the cluster so that it's closer to their remaining honey stores. So we need those kinds of periods throughout the winter, and we're fortunate enough here along the front range of the Rockies to get those. Thank you, Tom. I'd like to begin by talking about the rusty patch bumblebee. The rusty patch bumblebee is the first bee in the continental United States to be listed as endangered. This proves many of the things that we have been concerned about regarding the impact of neonicotinoids, especially with some of these efforts to plant these wildflowers and create these habitats for our pollinators. Once again, when you take a look at the rusty patch bumblebee, especially the habitat, I think that's indicative of exactly what we've been talking about all these years regarding the impact. There are some suspicious correlations between the uh, decline of the rusty patch bumblebee and the concerns that we've expressed about the neonicotinoid family and a few other families of pesticides. The rusty patch bumblebee's territory is primarily what we think of now as corn country, formerly short and high grass prairie. Um, There's a correlation in the uh, duration of the decline The decline has been on the order of 87% since the late 90s. This is the same thing that we've seen with the monarch butterfly. This is the same thing we're seeing with the honeybee. And uh, the obvious suspicion would be that the neonicotinoid family, which has expressed itself across hundreds of millions of acres during that same period of time, would be a suspect. And correlation isn't sufficient to to represent causation, but in addition to that correlation, we have volumes and volumes of scientific research that has been done since that point, and the rusty patch bumblebee is one more uh, victim of this environmental poisoning, and the sad 
reality is that the rusty patch bumblebee may simply be one of those native bees that we're aware of. The likelihood is there are many other bee species, bumblebees, native bees that are perhaps disappearing as we speak and goes that way unnoted. I remember having a conversation with Dr. Dave Goulson and he said that there are many species that haven't even been documented because there's just so many species on this planet. And I think what you're saying is absolutely true, Tom. There's so many species that could be very well disappearing right before our eyes. And because they don't have a financial role in agriculture, which is basically why the honeybee has been given so much attention, that they're disappearing and they'll never even be known in order to be missed, if that makes sense. Well, for some of these species, it may be too late. And we continue to contest with the chemical industry and the corrupted regulators as to what the science tells us. And it's clear that the science tells us that for the lower level life forms, this has been a massive poisoning of the environment. And we're losing species as a consequence. And once they're lost, they're lost forever. There's no going back and doing it over. It's time to face the music and start demanding from these regulators some regulation. Well, especially now that it's a new year, let's hope that something does happen and let's hope that we don't get one official memoranda uh, one official memo from the White House after the other and you know nothing to show. I find it interesting that some of the environmental groups are hailing Obama as the great environmentalist when they have a very short-term memory. In the first term, he unleashed four GMO crops. Well, let's look ahead, though, instead of back. Whatever Obama did or didn't do is behind us now, and we, we will deal with the consequences. It isn't clear what this new regime is going to mean, but uh, as I said in an earlier program, I was asked by a beekeeper what I thought of the nominee to head the EPA, Attorney General Pruitt from Oklahoma, and I said I, I had to plead ignorance because I don't know much about him or how he might address the EPA, but at least in the pesticide arena, it would be hard to imagine that the EPA could do any worse than it has already. So, I agree, but the bottom line is, is that it's not about one one party or the other. The bottom line is is that both parties have sold out. At this particular point, the only two elected officials that I know of that actually have have done something have been New Jersey State Senator Raymond Lesniak, who's actually running for governor, and New York Senator Brad Hoyleman. So unless we see more action from these elected officials, Basically, it doesn't matter what party they represent. What matters is, is that their words and actions meet. The next topic is in regards to a research paper that has come from a scientist from Taiwan. A research team headed by Wu Chung Sin, professor in life sciences at National Taiwan Normal University, found that bats 
feeding on imidacloprid tainted insects were unable to fly along learned paths, as a result of which they often, quote unquote, got lost while out hunting. Well, the interesting thing is here is that we've been assured from the beginning that these chemicals, the neonicotinoids, were relatively benign with respect to the mammals of which we would be a part. And this is the first clear evidence that we have of mammalian susceptibility to the effect of these neurotoxins. We're seeing in the bats, apparently, things that are very similar to what we've seen in the honeybee and other insects. Uh, initially, the, the white nose syndrome, the fungus that has been decimating the bat populations, was believed to be a consequence of the bat's uh, immune system being uh, compromised, just what we've seen in the honeybee. This is the first example that we have of what's called apoptosis, which is the death, cell death in a mammal. People might be able to think about it a little more clearly if I suggested that they take a screwdriver and they punch it into their laptop computer and they uh, they punch their their memory cards and their circuit boards and and then they wonder why things are going wrong. That's what we're doing to these life forms. We're disrupting their most basic function, which is the transmission of neural impulses, and we're seeing the consequences. The bat evidence is very significant though because now we're seeing that the mammals can be affected as well. It just it isn't just the insects. Professor Wu was quoted as saying when toxic substances accumulate to a certain level, they damage the bats' neurons and destroy their ecolocation system. One thing that we have to remember is the importance of bats in the ecosystem. Bats actually serve as a bioindicator, and they allow humans to determine which toxic substances are poisoning the living environment. The bottom line is that's true of all pollinators. They are an indicator species, which basically means that what happens to them will inevitably impact us. So it's interesting to see that there is research being done in faraway places such as Taiwan, and it joins the growing number of papers that have been conducted independently, have been peer-reviewed, that prove the impact of these most toxic substances. All of these species are indicator species, and they're all telling us the same thing. And they've been telling us that for the last 20 years, and yet nothing has been done. Nothing has changed, and in fact, it's gotten much worse. We're uh, tampering with some of the basic elements of life, the foundation of the food chain, and we're, we're seeing more and more evidence all the time, and it's simply being ignored by people who are on a, in a position to make decisions that would affect change. I'd like to talk a little bit about habitat improvement, because with all good intentions, one of the things that the USGS has suggested to to turn around uh, this loss of the rusty-patched bumblebee is habitat improvement. And I think we're missing the fact that the likelihood is that the habitat has been terribly poisoned with these systemic pesticides, 
and that any flowering plants that sustain these pollinating insects are likely to be a source of death rather than life. Um, the EPA and the USDA have very scrupulously avoided any assessment of what the levels of the neonicotinoids or any of the other pesticides are in the soil and the groundwater. And the evidence that we have tells us that they are everywhere. Wherever they've been looked for, they have been found, and there is no safe dose. Tom, I'd like to just take a moment and share some of the comments in regards to last week's segment, which focused on a big question. Will America step up to the plate and ban neonicotinoids in this new year? One of the comments that I received on LinkedIn is from Eric Bars, and he wrote, With a 50-degree Fahrenheit warm spell, I opened my hives yesterday to find them all dead despite an abundance of honey and pollen. I use moisture quilts, mouse guards, tar paper wraps, and windbreaks, treated for Varroa in the spring with Hopguard 2 and in the fall with Apivar, though I never saw any mites, gave them fondant and pollen patties in the fall, which were untouched yesterday. My point is, I'm a responsible beekeeper and go above and beyond with slatted racks, screened bottom boards, and moisture quilts, purchasing locally overwintered nukes, deliberately providing bee forage throughout the spring, summer, and fall, and banning the use of all pesticides except for neem dormant oil, and I have total losses for two years in a row. There's no doubt in my mind that it is the pesticides. So I think that is a very common response that we do receive, and I just wanted to share Eric's response because I thought he did a good job of explaining what steps he takes. But once again, folks, we're receiving so many comments from beekeepers, not just in America, but all over. So if you have any comments, please feel free to either email us at questions at theorganicview.com or go to the website and comment on the articles. We're more than happy to respond to your questions and your comments. This uh, incident is uh, similar to what we're seeing increasingly here along the front range. We have very dedicated new beekeepers, hobby beekeepers, who've gone to great lengths to do the best they can as beekeepers. And in some cases, they can give their colonies much closer attention than a commercial beekeeper might with two or 3,000. And despite those efforts, we're seeing these kinds of losses, the fall collapse, the winter losses in the cold period. And I'm afraid the sad reality is that we can do the best we can as beekeepers and what we're doing is we're sending these bees out into an environment that's become so hostile to life that they cannot survive. Our efforts are doing little more than creating more healthy cadavers. I couldn't agree more. Tom, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate all of your cooperation, your feedback, your knowledge, your expertise, all the things that you do. People have no idea how much you've contributed to this fight to get these chemicals banned and, more importantly, to protect all of our pollinators. Well, we really rely on the listeners uh, and the public at large to rise up and say no more. 
this this has to end. This is a massive environmental destruction that's going on. The bees, along with and many other life forms, are indicator species, as you said. And I want to thank you, June, for all the effort you go to to give us this forum in which to discuss these issues. Thanks, Tom. And folks, once again, please feel free to contact us. Uh, you can go into theorganicview.com or email us at questions at theorganicview.com. Tune in next week as Tom and I continue the discussion. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon. <laughs>